you're a long ways away from home again. Yes, I am. Yes, I am. You're not really up to doing a full review of the week's work. Is that correct? Uh, well, that is correct. I'm, uh, I'm, I'm visiting with family and had a funeral for my mom this morning and kind of, uh, sad, but, uh, very happy life. And, and, uh, you know, as you get older, uh, we had a, a wedding here in Kansas city, uh, uh, where my sister and my mom was, were, were living, was my sister still living? And anyway, however that works, <laughs> we'll have, we'll have, uh, you know, scroll across the bottom explaining everything. Uh, but, but anyway, we were here six weeks ago for a wedding. And uh, as you get older, you get together for weddings and funerals and unfortunately a funeral this time, but, uh, but my mom was 88 so uh, she lived a long life and since she had so much energy and seemed to be to work around the clock her 88 years were probably 200 for for normal beings so but anyway but uh so we were we were going to kind of skip tonight and and then i got a little time here and thought oh you hate to skip you hate to skip the masses all downtrodden because of such things so so before we get too far, what is it that Paul hates to skip? Well, it's podcast, This Week in Common Sense, starring, once again, Paul Jacob. My name is Tim Verkula, and we're going to talk about one big issue and one piece that Paul wrote this week. And uh, we're going to start with that big issue. We had big news today with the uh, Roe v. Wade being overturned. I guess it's the Dobbs case, isn't that uh, correct? Yes, but I've not read the uh, decision yet. Though I've looked at parts of it. I, and I don't know if I will get to it. These cases are long. I always, I download all these Supreme Court cases and then, then at, you know, 11 o'clock at night, I think, you know, I'm really tired. I like reading Thomas cases because they're usually very clear. Many of them are very clear, actually. It's not like some legal decisions. The Supreme Court usually writes really well. And Alito's response to the minority's dissent was obviously interesting. I've seen reports on that. I've seen excerpts from his response. And he was just going on about how inapposite the minority case was to keep Roe. It was sort of decided on federalism and a few other grounds. Roe going down doesn't make abortion illegal anywhere. But <laughs> there's a big but after that. You're saying that just that the decision itself, but of course, then state laws will kick in. And some states, you know, have laws that are, that are very open and permissive on abortion others have laws that will be very restrictive on it right it's a funny issue because you know i think of different political issues through my life um you know i'm i'm over 18 now so it's been a long life and uh and you know it's about the only issue i can think of that i've changed my mind and and it's interesting i've changed my mind a little bit, but not, not over abortion itself. Um, I'm pro-life. I think that if you create a life, you should allow it to live. And in fact, I think you even have a responsibility to provide that life sustenance and, and, uh, and comfort and, and training and all kinds of things. So uh, I'm, I'm not for deadbeat parenting uh, after birth or before birth. 
And, and it's, it's interesting because years ago, you know, I'm old enough to remember when abortion was illegal and when Roe was decided, you know, as a kid, but, um, and the argument used to be a lot about whether, you know, that, that in essence, this is a, a woman and a man may be involved as well. They almost always are. And, uh, and what responsibilities they had. And as I've gotten older, there's almost never any talk about, hey, you shouldn't have sex, especially unprotected sex, if you don't want to have a kid. And, um, you know, if there's one of those things that you had a kid every time you had unprotected sex, uh, people would probably be more careful. But it's one of those uh, one of those things where you never know, and so uh, people aren't maybe so careful. But back in the day, there was talk about individual responsibility for one's own sexual actions, and that's gone. That's pretty much gone. I don't know the last time I've heard anybody suggest that. Although uh, I'll tell you the last time I looked a little bit at Facebook earlier today, and a couple people did suggest that. But, um, but I have always been pro-life. I think that conception, which of course is not something where there's a, you know, a camera that says, oh, yep, it just, you just conceived. But, but that logically when two cells become one and that one grows into a human being, is a human being and grows into what we see when the human being comes out and grows up and gets dressed, uh, uh, that's the beginning of a separate life. And so, you know, I, I think, you know, personally, I think I've won the lottery every time that I've had a, a child. And, uh, and, you know, I'm, I'm all for protecting those lives. The rub comes in, and this is, it's interesting for libertarians, especially because there are pro-life libertarians and pro-choice libertarians, and both of them are arguing from a rights standpoint. One's arguing that the woman has rights to her own body, and the other is arguing, well, of course she does, but if she gives up those rights by engaging in sexual activity and creating a new life that is within her, then she has to compensate or, or uh, adjust for someone else's rights. And so it's not you know, I mean, I, I understand both positions, uh, but my biggest concern with the issue from a governmental standpoint is it's very hard to police. I mean, we, we've had a lot of trouble getting the police to, to stop shooters at, at uh, high schools when they're there uh, or grade schools and so on. We've had trouble getting police to protect life and property on the open street much less police a woman's womb. And I do think that governments are not good at making us do right. They are sometimes good at picking up the pieces afterwards and prosecuting and punishing wrongdoing. But if we want a society in which unborn babies aren't aborted, then we need to create an ethic for life uh, that is stronger. 
And, and we've seen some of that in recent years, the sonograms and, and some of those things have created a, a little stronger feeling among people that, that yes, this is a human life and it should be protected. Um, and so, you know, when I look at this issue, I'm, I'm wanting to use my limited time and energy to stop the government from taking away our rights. Um, I think it's much more difficult to get the government to police uh, inside a woman's body. And so I just, I question how effective government can be in that way. And of course, this is not a uh, decision that says, okay, now abortion's been legal everywhere without any restrictions. That hasn't exactly been the case, although there are very few. Uh, and it's not now going to be illegal everywhere. I think what's likely to happen is a lot of politics and in our, in our trying to determine what the law should be. And, and uh, in our system, that should not be so scary. But of course, this is a life or death issue. And this is an issue that both sides will want to engage on. Because of course, in blue states, it's going to be very strongly pro-choice and in red states, strongly pro-life, except that I think we may see more nuance to the issue now than we have in the past. I think that oftentimes people have seen it as pro-life, pro-choice. There's two sides. And if you poll it that way, pro-choice tends to win. But if you instead poll it by saying abortion should be legal up until the moment of birth, Abortion should be legal in the first two trimesters. Abortion should be legal only in the first trimester. Uh, abortion should be legal, but uh, uh, you know parental consent should be required. There's all kinds of different gradations of it. And the polling shows that pro-choice up until the moment of birth is a distinctly minority position. So we may actually see a lot more nuance to this issue and a lot more people represented than simply the adamantly pro-life under all circumstances, even rape and incest, and the adamantly pro-choice, which is abortion up until the moment of birth. And if you happen to be the, the last governor of, uh, not the current governor of Virginia, but the last one, it's abortion is legal up until the moment of birth. And if they happen to be born, you might have a, a quiet moment between parent and doctor to decide whether to off the kid or not. Uh, so those are very uh, distinct, different clashing opinions, but the majority of Americans don't hold either one. And so it, it we may get some very interesting political uh, uh, results from this, because I think you're going to see around the country a lot of activity on it. Uh, and, I, and I suspect that uh, Democrats may see this as a godsend for them uh, in that here's a new issue that they might do better on than the, you know, the way we're going right now. Things do not look good for Democrats in November. And, and by golly, I'm, I'm glad to hear that because I think the public is recoiling from this idea that, oh, uh, gee, sorry, gas prices are really high. Sorry, not sorry. 
um, because they want gas prices to be high against, uh, oh, inflation, it's all Putin's fault or it's, it's uh, greedy corporations. I mean, we have an economy that uh, almost everyone recognizes is in trouble and a lot of baloney coming out of the, the White House about it. And I think everybody sees that. And, you know, if you're a hardcore Democrat, you may still vote Democratic, but folks in the middle and Republicans uh, are emboldened about this coming election. And maybe this issue being interjected in will give Democrats, uh, you know, a, a little bit of a comeback. I don't think so, because I don't think it changes. Uh, I don't think the swing voters in America, both of them, uh, no, but the, the small number of swing voters are going to be moved by the abortion issue. If they were moved by the abortion issue, they probably wouldn't be swing voters. And I, I think it's going to make, uh, you know, red areas of the country deeper red and blue areas deeper blue. But I don't think that's going to swing a whole lot of elections. So I don't really see it having a tremendous impact on this election in terms of candidate races. Well, that's what I wonder about. Um, Chris Hayes today on Twitter said, stating the obvious, just so everyone's clear, it is absolutely that the very first legislative priority of a Republican trifecta at the national level will be a federal ban on abortions. It will be H.R. 1. That's what Chris Hayes said. And I don't see like that. I would think that's a bad idea for Republicans if they were to do it, but it is a good idea for Democrats to say that's what Republicans would, would want to do. But there are Republicans, like including apparently Trump and Pence today, who said that they want to make abortions illegal at the federal level. So yes. that's a problem. I mean, that makes a really weird political environment. Well, why? Because they've been basically arguing a states' rights position kind of on, on that let the states decide and let the... Neither side would get my vote on that, right? For my vote, for instance, I wouldn't want to vote for a Republican who wanted to make abortion illegal at the federal level. I, I, I wouldn't want to do that. But I wouldn't want to have Repub uh, Democrats, you know, push that position to make it legal at the federal level. I think that both are bad ideas. Largely, I think, because I don't think the country's calling for a one-size-fits-all law across the board. And I think there's, you know, I, I'm very skeptical of government policing abortion. Just very skeptical. At the same time, I wouldn't hold it against somebody to say abortion should be illegal. Um, and so it's, it's, uh, it is a, a tough issue for me because I don't, I don't feel like, boy, if we just make it illegal, then it will end. Um, and, and, you know, and, and I don't think that if we make it legal in all cases that somehow, you know, by, by, uh, you know, education at that point, we can prevent it. So I, you know, I, I kind of understand the impulse on, on both sides, I do think it's better not to do it at the federal level uh, because you, you wouldn't want to do it at the federal level until there's a consensus in the country. Ron Paul used to make the argument in the 90s that it, it is hard to police abortion. That's basically your point. It's hard to police yes. abortion. And he did talk about that, uh, though he is like you, 
very firmly pro-life. Um, my problem is that I don't expect governments to police anything, right? What they do is they react in, the, in a case of crisis or something. And so there are, a, a murder charge is always dependent upon finding a body. So as I look at it, this is where everything comes down to is what do you do with the dead aborted fetuses? And right now, it's all above board in, in the states that have abortion, and they're used in industry and medicine to create a number of medicinal products. Yes. Uh, and, and I also hear rumors of, of more extensive uses that boggle the mind, and I don't know how true those are. I'm going to forget the guy's name. Uh, I want to say David. Uh, oh, I'm, I'm, I'll mess up his last name. It starts with a D as well. But uh, the guy who, who filmed and did the undercover filming of, of Planned Parenthood and their talk about the use of, of fetuses. Right. That was O'Keefe, right? No, 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 it was not O'Keefe. Oh, no. it wasn't O'Keefe. No, it was um oh I don't oh, know. Geez. We'll have to we'll have to maybe you can get the name and we can put it up here. Turns out it's David Delighton. I want to say Den David Denholm or something, but I have his last name wrong. But he's being prosecuted in California. Uh, on some ridiculous, you know, that he somehow surreptitiously taped these people and violated their rights and so on. And, uh, and of course, they've been accused from day one of doctoring these tapes, and yet no explanation as to what was actually said, and how that's different than what was presented. It, if you have a video in America that cuts against the mainstream media's narrative, uh, it's always a doctored video unless you show every scintilla of footage that you collected hundreds of hours, you know, that that's the way they look at it. Otherwise it's doctored, but, um, but that whole, that that's a, just a sickening story, the use of fetal tissue like that. And, and, and so, and, and I think that, that our, our willingness to, to be, pro-abortion and to look the other way because i think there's been a lot of looking the other way it's not good it's not good for society when you look the other way on one thing it becomes that much easier to look the other way on another and it degrades the the moral fiber of of individual souls who then make up a society and and so i think it does have a a, a big impact and and at common sense when I was doing it for uh, U.S. term limits, one of the rules was don't talk about abortion, um, and I didn't I didn't talk about it much anyway. But but and then as it became my own thing, I still didn't talk about abortion very much at all. But every once in a while, would have something about abortion, usually trying to come at it from a different vantage point, trying to get people to see maybe there's some common ground on different things but also just to bring it up so that it's not pushed under the rug, that, that people do have to confront that issue and think about what's, what's right or what's not right. And, um, and so it, I think the other thing it shows is that this has been an incredibly long fight. And when people, so often in politics, I hear people say, well, if we, we don't win this now we'll never win it. Um, and I'm always thinking, what's all this never stuff? Uh, and, and this points out that, you know, sometimes you can lose again and again and again, 
but if you keep working and persevere, you win. And I think the other thing it shows is how long it takes to make a change sometimes. Every Republican president, there's been a bunch of them, and they've picked a bunch of Supreme Court justices. Every Republican president has been pro-life. And they've picked justices. And of course, they always, they're not going to tell you whether they're pro-life and they play all the different games about it. But frankly, they picked justices that were not willing to vote pro-life. And they picked justices half the time that were, <laughs> you wondered, did you ask the, your opponents who they wanted and then pick their guy? Because, I mean, you had Reagan pick guys and, and Bush picking Souter who never voted with, with conservatives on any issue ever. Uh, that was the first George W. George H.W. Uh, Bush, Bush, I can't speak. Uh, but anyway, one of the reasons that Roe was overturned is because Donald Trump was elected. And I warmed to Donald Trump during his term, largely because he did a number of things that no other president would do. I think he stood up to China in a way that was essential to stop the ceding of Asia to China. And I don't think any other president would have done it. And I think it may have changed the arc of history. And I give him a lot of credit. And maybe it was just because he's, he's, you know, obnoxious and arrogant and wanted to fight with Xi Jinping. I don't know. Uh, maybe he saw, you know, the right foreign policy. Who knows? But he stood up. And so I give him a lot of credit. And then after the election, I really, really... Uh, have disappointment and disdain for the behavior of Donald Trump. And not, not because, oh, he, he created January 6th. Um, <clears throat> I, don't, I don't say that he had no role whatsoever. I think he, he certainly was speaking about things that in a manner that I don't think was health, healthy for our democracy not so much because it led to January 6th, but because people have a tendency to think that America's freedom comes from the Constitution, the words written down. And I think that had we had the perfect Constitution and George Washington served as president for four or five terms until his death, instead of stepping down after two terms, we would be a fundamentally different country today. We would have noticeably less freedom, noticeably less citizen control of government. Um, and obviously we can't know, we, we, we lived through the history like it was, but I'm just suggesting that the willingness to hand back power is absolutely critical to a functioning democratic republic with freedom. And that George Washington did more by stepping down after two terms than almost anything else he did in his life, maybe anything, for the future of our republic. And Donald Trump stomped on that. And whether it led to January 6th or anything else, is it doesn't matter. You have to man up after an election. And you can fight every way you want to fight. You can fight in court, you can fight in the court of public opinion, but 
when the election is finished and you don't win in court and you, you know, you can't, you can't say, gee, we're just going to not recognize the results. And that, that is, I think the number one, it's just really the only thing that I hold against Donald Trump is his behavior after the election, I think was not what we want the leader of our country to behave like. I went on a long rant there about Trump just to kind of set that up, but but here's the upside to Donald Trump. He actually did a lot of what he said he would do. He actually pushed, like I remember people saying, how could pro-life people be in favor of this guy who, you know, went on the Hollywood, access Hollywood tape said, you know, grab him by the, and the whole time I thought, well, it's because a lot of devout, Christian people, devout religious people, I suspect of other religions, believe that flawed human beings can still do very good things if put in the right position, if God puts them in the right position. And I think that's what they believed about Donald Trump. And when you think of the way that Ronald Reagan talked about abortion and what he accomplished on the issue, and then you look at Donald Trump and what he accomplished on the issue. Donald Trump did more on the pro-life issue than any president in, since Roe v. Wade and, and really did more in terms of picking Supreme Court justices that were on the side of, of conservatives and Republicans than any other Republican president. And that's why. I mean, if, if you wondered why pro-life people were supporting Donald Trump, because they thought he would take action on the issue. And here's the proof that he did. Do you think he actually believed in the pro-life position or was it convenient for his support? You know, I don't know anything about him personally. So it's just very tough to have any sense of what his personal beliefs are. Um, and I think I think uh, it's easy to kind of take someone's personality on television and say, oh, well, we know what he thinks. But if you've never met him, I mean, if, if you have met some of these folks, you realize they're not exactly as they appear on TV. So so I don't know. But I do know the result. And the result is three Supreme Court justices that it's rare that anybody picks three. But the truth is, you could have given those three picks to George W. Bush or, or H.W. Bush or Ronald Reagan or Richard Nixon, and you wouldn't have gotten any result. Those three going to Trump, you got a result. And I think you have to recognize that. And I also think in politics, gosh, you know, we've been around the block a few times. You have to go by what people do, by what they accomplish by what happens from their actions, not by what speeches they gave or, you know, what they see. They seemed like they were really strong on that issue. And, you know, the, the proof is in the pudding. And, and uh, I think the pro-life movement will long remember Donald Trump for that reason. For what it's worth, I always thought that Trump was pro-life in his Supreme Court picks. That is, he picked the Supreme Court nominees, not because it was an important issue to him, but because he didn't care 
but that he knew it was strategically very important for his support. Now, I, mean, I could be wrong, but that's what it seemed like to me. That's kind of the conventional wisdom, don't you think? I mean, it's the, uh, yeah. it's the feeling on the left. And I think there's probably, and, and I'm, I'm sympathetic to that. I wouldn't be shocked if turned out Donald Trump wasn't really, you know, constantly thinking about how we need to make abortion illegal and instead just saw this as a key political issue. And he's the sort of guy that he's a salesman. So once he's decided that's the product, he's going to go sell it. Very good. Very good. That makes sense. This is where the Democrats made their huge mistake with Trump. Had they not gone full out anti-Trump, had they decided to work with him during his presidency rather than attack him relentlessly, especially from the deep state and from the Hillary Clinton campaign, which we now know most of that was actually quite illegal and, and uh, full of lies and fraud and all that kind of stuff. Really dirty tricks. Really? All the, yeah. Yeah. I mean, we now know that exactly how that was done. It's an amazing story. Had they not done that and worked with Trump, that they wouldn't have forced him to back the constituencies he had to go for. Uh, he had to go hard on a few issues to get the constituencies that hated the Democrats because the Democrats hated him. So they made him the pro-life uh, pro, uh, pro candidate. Yeah. It's hard for me to say pro-life for that issue because I hate both pro-choice and pro-life as terms for that issue. So it's it's been an issue for me. I have a hard time even saying the word. You know, years ago, those were the two terms. But, you know, the media has kind of changed that to anti-abortion and abortion rights, which, yeah. of course, yeah. when I started working with Citizens in Charge, um, I started using the term initiative rights, which was... You know, I think we do have the right, the democratic right to initiate from the citizenry, but that's certainly not established in the Constitution. And by calling it a right, you make it harder for people to attack it because you're attacking our rights. Um, and and so the, the media has played a role on the abortion issue uh, by always choosing the terms and not all media, but almost all by choosing the terms that are, you know, dramatically in favor of pro-choice and not pro-life by talking about abortion rights. And, and, you know, this is one of the key rights that people have if you listen to the news media. And yet, you know, it's not a, a right that was recognized until the seventies. Yeah. And uh, to me, pro life is kind of weird uh and it, it, I, I would like to think of more as fetal rights or uh right. the rights of the unborn but to call it abortion rights and and fetal rights really does honestly deal with the subject at debate right, right. that's i mean that is what it is and i think that it would be nice if we could actually deal with these terms uh, honestly and recognize each side for what it is um anyway uh this week you wrote five pieces and uh, I'll uh, maybe list them now after you sign off, unless you want to talk to about any of them right now. Well, I, I just mentioned one uh, uh, piece, and I'm, I'm trying to think, remember off the fly here what the title of it was. Oh, uh, Some Scandal. Uh, it was a piece about these drag shows and other things in 
in uh, schools. Uh, and, and, you know, it's, look, if people want to go to a drag show, that, that's, that's your right. Uh, uh, but the involvement of public institutions in it just seems beyond the pale. But I mentioned in this something that we don't often talk about because it's not really in the debate these days, but we grew up at a time <clears throat> in which there was all kinds of pressure against overpopulation. And of course, as Elon Musk, and we've written some about it, uh, pointed out that you know Japan's not gonna exist anymore if they can't have babies because they'll die out. That's how it works. Uh, and, and we pointed out that there seems to be this almost anti-gender roles in the sense of procreation. And that's kind of one of the things, uh, we don't have to say we're supposed to do, but if we want the human race to continue, we're supposed to do it or we better do it because it won't continue otherwise. And, and I, I, you know, it's just something that we pointed out. It wasn't the whole theme of the piece, but it was, it's something that I would encourage people to think about, especially if you've had the experience, you know, if you, you were born in the sixties or late fifties and have kind of witnessed all of this anti-overpopulation and now we come to a point in which it's not just japan it's china it's the united states of america if it wasn't for immigration the united states of america would be losing population because we're not we're not replacing the population by procreation and um and I, it's not like we've turned against sex i don't think <laughs> i don't know maybe uh, but but these are issues that don't get talked about, um, at least on the side of, hey, have babies. Let's keep living. Mankind is a good thing, not a bad thing. And uh, and we just touched on that uh, because it is it is kind of, you know, if you maybe if you flip the coin on all of this, you know, gender stuff and and pushing this sort of stuff in the schools you would see that that this is not leading to a society in which people recognize you know what babies are a good thing well on that note we probably should conclude because our time's up and this is this week in common sense for the last full week of june 2022 Oh, before I completely stop this thing, I should mention the four other pieces Paul wrote for this final full week of June. On Monday, he wrote, it's a gas, gas, gas. On Wednesday, he wrote, for a thousand years. On Thursday, he wrote, the choice in school choice. And Friday, he wrote, less climate lockdowns. And yeah, we know that's not real French. Thank you for joining us. You can always find us at Rumble, sometimes at YouTube, always, always at thisiscommonsense.org.